Welcome to Inside the Labyrinth Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts speaking, Frank. I am an active New York City police officer, and I'm part of Reps for Responders. I've had the honor and privilege to journey through the labyrinth with my other host, Jay, the real Jumpman Jay on Instagram. He's a veteran officer and also part of the SWAT team in one of the cities in New York. We would just like to thank you for journeying through the labyrinth with some of the great guests that we have had on the show so far. We will continue to make episodes with all the positive feedback that we have received. If anyone has any idea, topic, or anyone we would like to interview, please email us at repsforresponders at gmail.com. Reps for Responders is a nonprofit out of Rockland County, New York. We provide free open gym for all active, retired, and volunteer first responders, military, and veteran. Reps for Responders also has a weekly Zoom meeting, which is a support group every Sunday at 7 p.m. to let first responders and military let off steam or talk about anything that they want to talk about, positive, negative, or anything they're struggling with. Reps for Responders has five certified recovery coaches through New York State to help battle addiction and alcoholism. If anyone is struggling, please don't be afraid to reach out to Reps for Responders. You can find us on Instagram at reps underscore four underscore responders or visit our website at repsforresponders.org. Again, from myself and Jay, personally, we thank you. As a recovering alcoholic, I would like to personally thank you because you have kept me sober just for today. All in and have a great day. Frankie boy, take it away. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome, welcome inside the Labyrinth podcast. We got an extremely, I'm very honored to have this guest today. Um, this is actually going to be, Jay, I feel like we're, uh, we've been stuck in the Labyrinth ourselves, man. It's just one podcast <laughs> after another. Yeah, man. So uh, uh, episode, on episode three, um, we had uh, Corey Gregory, season two, which is great. And that'll be out soon. And uh, for episode four, we got a. Uh, I, I just can't wait to introduce the guest. But before I reintroduce this guest, I'm going to kick it to my man Jay. Jay, how you doing today, man? How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to Inside the Labyrinth Podcast. Uh, Frankie V has pulled another one out the hat. Um, we have a legendary, legendary guest. Um, every time Frankie texts me and tells me that you know we get a guest for a new episode, it's like kind of pinch myself because he gets these like illustrious guests so um i'll have frankie bring him in but uh you guys are in for quite a treat today so we had the honor of season one to have um one of the best strong men in the world and, and one of the strongest people in the world in my mind the best strong man uh, brian shaw and now in season two we had the honor to have one of the greatest power lifters of all time in my mind the best powerlifter of all time so ed cohen what's going on man how you doing good how you doing guys uh pleasure to have you on your show man uh, um pleasure doing to have good, you on man. the show doing good thanks 
to have some fun. All right, Frankie, take it away. Oh Frank. yeah, baby. How what? How's yeah? Besides, you were uh, just before you were destroying my mustache, so we're not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> how's the uh, quarantine holding up? Right now, man? <laughs> yeah, let it rip. So how's the quarantine holding up for you, Ed? I got no problems. I, I don't I don't really like people anyway, so it's pretty easy. <laughs> That's actually the first time I heard an answer so the, like that. You said you've been practicing social distancing before social so, distancing yeah, was a thing. Yeah. I I train a little bit. I can still go to the store and do a little bit of shopping and stuff. The rest is it's it's easy. I don't mind my own company. I get along with my woman great, so it's not a problem at all. Got you. Where are you located? Just outside of Chicago on the south side. Okay, all right. Chicago hasn't been that bad, right? There haven't been that t- uh, too many cases out there of COVID, right? I haven't heard much about it. No, and, and you know, I, I was, I was, I, I read, I look at our Governor Jelly Belly's uh, little, you know interviews he does every day for the media yeah and uh it's just it's i don't i don't think it's nearly as bad as they say but you know you just got to protect the old people and the vulnerable people yeah so put on a damn mask not hard that's it wear your masks lysol everything uh don't stand on top of one another and don't lick any banisters or hand railings plain and simple (laughs) <laughs> yeah, our toilet seat like that one stupid ass chick. Yeah, that's. And I think that person. Well, got that video sick, was crazy. You saw that video? Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous, but she ain't never getting kissed again. <laughs> I, you know, it, I, maybe it's common practice for her, but I don't, it's not a social norm. So. Yeah, not in my life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, not Ed's wildest dreams. <laughs> no. So um. All right, Ed, we're going to jump into your labyrinth, man. I'm excited. I'm pumped as shit. Um, here we go. So take us through kind of how Ed was growing up, more high school. Did you play any high school sports? And was weightlifting even there for you in high school? And kind of how was your whole experience in high school growing up? Actually, I started lifting weights right before I went into high school. I was My first year in high school, I was 4 foot 11, 98 pounds. Get the fuck out so of here. So I was in kind of kind of intimidated by a lot of the other sports, except for wrestling. Okay. They had a 98-pound class in wrestling, so I wrestled for a while. And uh, then I was like, after my first year, I started to grow from lifting weights, not really height-wise, but uh, just muscle-wise. And I went from like 98 pounds to 130 and I was so, like, in love with lifting weights and getting bigger that I said, fuck wrestling. I don't want to do this anymore. This is what I like. And it just, it just took off. It was, it was like something I could do by myself because I was, I was pretty introverted, probably a little bit of ADD. And uh, so it was just like something I could dive in myself and in my own head with and be happy. Got it, got it. Now, when you when you were lifting like that, when you said you said f wrestling and you just started lifting, now were you just lifting by yourself? Did you? And you said you were an introvert. Did you train with anyone, or kind of be just? No, I lifted. I lifted. I lifted with myself. Uh, my dad was an accountant when I was younger, 
and he bartered with some people and got some little pieces of equipment. And so I trained by myself for like a million hours in the basement. So they'd come down in the basement late at night and make me come up to bed when it was like one thirty in the morning. Sheesh. So uh, that's how I started off. Then I had a, a, a little training partner. Um, we lifted in his basement. And then, uh, then I ended up joining a, a gym. Gotcha. What, what gym was that? It was a Chicago health club which ended up turning into Bally's. What year was this? And it was like right on the south side, right over the border from, this was uh, around 77. Okay. All right. Bally's ain't been around in a while, so that's where I was like, Bally's? Ooh, okay. So I was like 14, 15 years old. Gotcha. When I first came in. Yeah. So, so, so what was the training you know, programs like most that? Most of the like, gyms I've ever trained at. Reading magazines? Pardon? Yeah. It was the, the, the Sorry. Muslim Sorry. Fitness in Parliament in USA. Yeah. Yeah, it was just those two magazines, and I uh, I read them like there was no tomorrow, and I followed everything in those magazines to try to learn. Oh, so Trial that, and error. So that was your training template, just those magazines? So you just kind of just, I don't want to say uh, winged it, but that was your only wealth of knowledge that you had then, so yeah. you just kind of followed that to a T, and then you, it, it eventually became like part of your workout that's, routine? That's, that's, that's all there was. Okay. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's all that was available. There was no social media or anything online then, so it was just some books and magazines. That's about it. And uh, you just kind of wing it, and you find your way. You learn from your really bad mistakes. Gotcha. Trial and error. Yeah. So Ed, when you when you graduated high school, was uh, what did you start? Uh, working or anything or did you go to college or how did what was that like uh, I did out? I did some electrical work for a while and then I just started training people at a young age before it was even popular oh wow now the the electrical work did you did you like um go to school for like you know like to develop a trade or you just is something that you just picked up to a family friend yeah. or something like that yeah yeah and then I then then I then I ended up dropping out because it wasn't my passion or anything, I hated it. And then I just started lifting and training people. Yeah, I got it. And that's what felt similar made you story. feel more like, more like, more alive, right? More like Ed, I guess you would say. Oh God, yeah, it was that was me. It was totally me. It what it, it's what I was born to do. Um, now when you first started training Ed, was it powerlifting or was it more bodybuilding type of workouts or I, kind I of just try, whatever I was in the magazine? Really? I attempted to bodybuild. That was before they even posed to music. Oh, so that was just straight <laughs> silence and flex. So that's that was, yeah, this is going that was back. Perfect world right there. Then yeah, it's going back. Yeah. I, I copied Franco Colombo's uh, mm. posing routine out of the back back of his book, <laughs> and I just did that out on stage. Okay. I think the hardest part for me, because I'm I'm really really a white boy, is uh, was trying to get a tan. <laughs> trying to that get was a tan. Probably the hardest part. <laughs> yeah, people probably didn't see me on stage in the lights. Now, Ed, were you rocking a creepy mustache back then in the seventies as well, or not? I, I still—I like, don't even think I could grow a mustache now. Just like me, I can barely grow facial hair, brother. 
They're that's just, fine with me. Uh, I'm not as out. long as people keep calling me a creep. That's why I got to keep the mustache. You that's know, it. I, that's it, Frankie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the um, so I, I, uh, Frank Colombo, man, like, were you able to uh, watch all the shows? Because uh, I'm thinking, like, Ed, like, you know, on YouTube, you can you can type in any posing routine or anything. Like Lou Ferrigno, Frank Colombo, Arnold, obviously all them. Like, were you able to yeah. watch any of them live or something, or that was all magazines? Or oh yeah, I, I met him in person. Actually, right. I met Arnold when he was still kind of big at a uh, a big Montgomery Wards or something or Sears at the time store in a mall, and I walked up to him because he was hawking his book at the time, and my head was in his chest, and I was like. <laughs> Oh crap! I I can't be Arnold. The best best thing I tried to be Franco because he was short, and I met yeah. Franco at a sporting goods store once, and I saw him do some deadlifts like cold with like it was like a three hundred and ten pound set or something. Oof. So I fell in love with Franco Colombo, and uh, and after I tried bodybuilding, then I saw Bill Kazmaier. They used to still have the uh, the national championships and powerlifting on TV on yeah. Wild Sports. Yep. I saw and I was like, well, wait a second. You could be that big, that strong, not have to diet that hard, or wear those skimpy shorts on stage. I think I got my sport now. Yeah. So then, boom, that was it. So once you saw Bill, that's kind of like, holy shit. F this bodybuilding stuff, powerlifting is for me kind of mindset. Yep. Yep. I loved it already. How was that transition? Um, from, I guess, more of, would you say you're doing like more hypertrophy, like, you know, 10 to 12 to 15 reps instead of right in the powerlifting? When you're young, everything you do gets you big. Right. So I just trained more of a power bodybuilding approach my whole life because I didn't want anything. I, I didn't want a close grip bench or an incline bench or a dip or a different kind of squat or a different kind of back work or shoulder work. I didn't want anything to be weak. So I trained them just like I did the powerlifting exercises pretty much. Mm-hmm. I didn't want a weak link anywhere. All right. So basically and the, top- then the rest is trial and error. Got you. Right. I like that. And that's, it's kind of like the old school stuff, right? Ed, like, and like you're, you're the definition of old school training, man. It's just hard head. Don't give a shit. There's no weak links. Like you want a big bench. Well, you need big triceps. So, you know, dips, you, you know, big back pull-ups and those are, you know, big, and push-ups those are old school things that a lot of people i mean i'm 27 years old ed a lot of people trying to try and forget about now and they don't realize you do dips you start doing weighted dips you start doing weighted pull-ups weighted push-ups that will build the muscle you don't need all these extra you know curricular movements and all this stuff everyone looks for an easy way out there's not an easy way out especially if you truly love what you want to do you have to do it right and dot your i's and cross your t's so you don't want to lay, leave any stone unturned or, or have a weakness in any area, no matter what sport or what profession you have. If you have a weakness, get it stronger. That's it. Work the weaknesses. Amen. And it, it, what, what, hap- what happens is it makes you last a lot longer, too. Oh, see, that's a wealth of knowledge oh, yeah. I don't think people Definitely. have. Um, yeah. That's legendary experience the, um, right there, Frankie. Yeah, I love that. I love that, man. That was, that was real good. Um, now, were you doing, uh, like you talk about the powerlifting uh, movements, Ed, 
the way, same way you would train your dips and your pull-ups and all that, were you still doing um, more of like power sets with, uh, with weight or you kind of just said, ah, oh, whatever I feel that day, that's what I'm doing? No, I, I, I had a set routine that I wrote down before I started, like X amount of weeks, 8, 10, 12 weeks. I'd have every single set, rep, exercise, and weight figured out beforehand to get me from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't vary from that at all. So we, you're talking months before, and you're not, and you're not changing that direction at all on that car. You're, you're following no, that it, map. It, I, I learned that if I change something on a week, if I feel good, it changes the outcome. And then all of a sudden, the routine is, is completely different. I could peak out too early or get hurt. And that's not where I wanted to go. So I figured out early that if I did like four or five training cycles in a year and got a little better at every single exercise, by the end of one year, I was a big, strong, anti-fragile package. Oh, so you were very meticulous with your training. Um, now, now, when you were coming up with these percentages or these numbers, did you go off of, um, like, feel? Because I know, like, at the beginning of a training cycle, you feel one way, and then towards the middle or the end, that kind of changes. So did you set everything up? Yeah, so, yeah, I, I would base it on what I did beforehand and what I knew. Okay. So if I squatted 500 pounds the last training cycle, and I knew that I could go up to 525, I would set up all the training to match that for the end result. Got it. So I knew exactly how many, you know, what I would do on sets, sets of 10, how many weeks, sets of eight, sets of five, triples, doubles. I knew everything along the way because it was all set up. I, I didn't lift with an ego. I lifted pretty meticulous as far as how I went about it. And uh, I knew that every week built upon, built up to the next week. Everything I did was always doable in my mind to where all of a sudden, like, by the end, all of a sudden, I'm 50 pounds ahead of where I started Yeah. based on the fact that I laid down this huge base. Every single training cycle was a new, bigger, stronger base so I could go up higher and higher. It wasn't like, oh, I just got my squat, the exercise, the squat stronger or the exercise, the bench. No, I got my pause squat, my high bar close stand squat. I got my bent over rows, my pull-ups stronger, my stiff leg deadlifts, my close grips, yeah. my inclines, my dips, my high, behind the neck presses. I got them all stronger. So there was chunks of muscle and strength everywhere on my body all the time, and I got them better and better every time. So that, that's what I mean. Like There was never a weak lift or weak link. If there was a weak lift, I was, I was weak in something, there was no way I'm going to let that go by and let it stay weak. Oh, I'm just not good at that. Oh no! Screw no, that! It, yeah. I'm going to get good at that because it in the in the long run, if there's a weakness somewhere, that's what's going to blow. Got you. So exactly. for our, for our listeners out there, like just pay attention to what Ed just said. Um, you know, paying attention to where the weaknesses are and then just making everything around it stronger makes that makes it possible for you to have no glaring holes in your game. So having those little pieces, you know, and putting those into the workout you know, over a long period of time creates a, a better, stronger lifter. And notice that he said that he did not lift with an ego. He had an end goal. And now, the, you know, in the beginning of the process, he says, listen, I'm going to, you know, hit this said number. And he didn't let his ego get to him. He stayed um, on track to complete his goal. I think a lot of people need to hear things like this because, like I said, like, you know, you, you grew up in an era where there wasn't social media or anything like that. So 
um, you know, when people look back and they see your your journey, right? They only see you know the the world records, right? They only see the totals. Yeah. They don't they don't hear the work that you were putting in, you know, and you know how meticulous you were to staying on route to you know becoming successful. So um, I think a, a lot of our listeners will will take away from this you know little tidbit that you just gave us that you know being meticulous and staying the course is the key to success. Yeah, there's and there's a such a, a large amount of learning that you, that you get from doing that way along all along the way from week to week to week from cycle to cycle from year to year. So there's you know a certain amount of steps you have to take. You can't read chapter one and then jump to chapter eight and expect to know what the hell went on and be able to predict you know the end of the book or a mystery or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, that's a great Just analogy. like you can't jump from first from freshman year to senior year in high school, there's certain steps and a, 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 a certain amount of learning that you have to do mm-hmm. to get to that point. 1000%. I agree with that. I mean, I have no qualms about that. I think a lot of people try to cheat the process. There is no cheating the process. You know, you got to go one, two, three, not one, five, eight. You know what I mean? It's just, you got to, you know, knock down the ducks in a row to get to where you need to be. Yeah. You know, I, I have a quote out. I, I used to say that, you know, I, I never set out to be the best or to lift a certain amount of weight. But what I did was I got better four or five times a year in training cycles. And if you get be- a little bit better a whole bunch of times, you end up pretty damn good. Yeah, absolutely. I only, I only tried to be as good as I could get. That was my satisfaction. Mm. I didn't really look at anyone else. It was just, what could exactly. I do? What could I get up to? Yeah. It's that me versus me mentality. Yeah. Yep. It, you, you have to, or else you will you will not make it to the top. Now, I, I, I got to ask a question here, man. I don't mean to cut you off, Frankie. But um, says, no, your, says your middle name is Ignatius, which means the fiery yep. one. Um, How did you get that middle name? Because I could, like, Ignatius definitely fits you. I can see the fire and the passion. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I, I got to ask that question. My, uh, it was my grandfather's name. Okay. And my dad actually went to St. Ignatius High School. Got it. Got it. That is a, that it was is actually a... like, it, it, but it was tough back then. It was like, you know, same with my father, my grandfather. And when you went to high school, then it was run by the Jesuits. Where it was basically, you know, they basically said convert or we're going to beat the crap out of you. Yeah. 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 That's back when you could do that. Yeah. You no, know, he, my grandfather was a lefty, but they didn't want that, so they tied, they made him a tied right. his arm behind yep. his back. They did that to my brother as well. That's insane, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that name Ignatius oh. is a uh, that's one of my like it's a you know it's a biblical name, but uh, it's one of it's one of my favorite names. Um, yeah, so. goodness gracious, Saint Ignatius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the fiery one. I was gonna, I was yeah, gonna it's, say it's, fun, it, it's kind of funny when when you're young. And you have a, a, a different name. Everyone like laughs at it. And mm-hmm. yep. Then when you get older, you realize that those names are like the coolest names that yeah, there are. Absolutely. You don't realize it when you're a kid because, you know, like kids are brutal. They're unforgiving. You know, they hear that name, oh. you know, and they'll just attack it. But, you know, when it has such a great meaning behind it, it's like as you get older, you you can appreciate it because you know, like, where the name is derived from. So, that's a, yeah, you know, it definitely so when, fits when you. When I was though. a kid in school. When I was a kid in school, you had to sign your last name first, then your first name. So it was Cone Ed. And that was at a time when Saturday Night Live, you had the Conehead. Yeah. So oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> the Conehead. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, man, Ed, maybe we should bring that back, man, for a little bit, you know? Epic. Yeah, that's about it. Right? <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, man. I, I feel like I'm talking to, like, a, well, I'm a Jet fan, so I feel like I'm talking, like, the Tom Brady or the Bill Belichick. Are you a Bears fan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, so. I, I used to have some friends that played on the Bears, and uh, I, I've met some players along the years. But the last one I met was uh, Olin Cruz not too long ago at a local bar. He was doing a show from there, and he was the – it's a large Nicest man. guy in the world. Large man. I mean, he came, he came up to me there when he saw me because he was a big fan of powerlifting. The Bears. But, like, to me, it's like, you yeah. know me? Yeah. Oh, that's head so in, cool. Was your head in his chest like it was to Arnold? Uh, it, was, it, it was lower. Yeah, he, oh, yeah, right he's, a lar- yeah he's a large <laughs> man, bro. He's huge. Yeah, he's a big, yeah, dude. He was a big, he's a big dude. And he stays I, in really good shape still. I was going to say that, like, it's like I'm talking to, like, the Mike Dicta. Like, you know, that's you right now of powerlifting. And like you said before, like, if, you, if you're down in the first quarter in a game, right, right, Ed, you're not going to jump. All right, what are we going to do to the fourth quarter? We got to do what we're going to do right now to get through the first quarter and then to the second quarter. And I feel like, Ed, you hit it on the point before. Like, if your training cycle, let's say, was today and you, it, was, it says 550 for a double on squats, right? You hit yeah. the 550 for a double, you're not going to say, you know what? Since next week says 575, maybe for a single or a double, I'm going to do that today. That's not how you work, right? Whatever's on the paper, I'm not going to no, fucking leave my ego at the door. I'll always put up uh, what actually Mark Bell said about his, his wife keeps him in line because Mark's a big goofball. And <laughs> she always puts in after he stops saying something, she goes, then what? Where are you going to go from there? Right. All of a sudden, your training cycle is over, and you miss and you miss something. So, if you miss something, if it's not because you have a, like a little injury or something outside that affected it, the you should never ever miss. The only reason you miss is because you went too heavy and bared off your path. Mm-hmm. So now, to get to the end, you're not you're not on the same path anymore. So, how, how do you recover? You can't. You just screwed it all up. So you you already peaked. Mentally and physically, where do you go? Ed, can you hit that for our listeners about a miss? Only not only the psychological, but the nervous system when you really stay off the path. How that really can affect a, a lifter, yeah, especially there's, close there's, to competition. There's, there's nothing about the word failure that is any good at the end of a training cycle. If you fail a little bit at the beginning, that's okay because you can recoup and rewrite it because you got enough time. But if you're at if you're at the end of something you do, you cannot try to skip a a, 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 a one step in that chain. All of a sudden, it breaks and it and it and it and it's over with. Stay the course of what you know where it's going to get you. You 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 wrote this thing out. Have confidence in the process of knowing it. And, you know they they always say to stick to the process, stick to the routine, and that goes for everything, not just lifting weights. It goes for every sport or every business you can't skip a process because it's taking you it's it's like boxing when they see a pattern of a guy you know either you know ducking to the right or left or when he drops his hand you know that you have to do two or three things to get that set up for him to do it Uh now you got him you won't get that where he drops his hand unless you set it up and do the other steps involved you won't get that 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 chance to succeed if you fuck it up and don't take your time. I mean, but you guys, you guys lift weights. 
So I mean, I mean, even even though you don't look like you do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let me flex for you. Ed. Hold up. Yeah, there. You just solidified that. <laughs> um, if uh, I don't, I don't even know what I was saying. Yeah, about the process. If uh, if you guys want to get to a certain point in your training or let's say your training is based on looks. Well, if you go balls to the wall every time and go to failure every single time, your body won't recover. If you're a runner and you run too much, all of a sudden you're going to have ankle, knee, back problems, shin splints, stuff like that. You're going to burn out. If, if you, if all you do at home is study, 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 but you have no practical knowledge whatsoever, you miss the step. You won't know how to do anything. So, you know, there's, that's why the best coaches aren't necessarily always the guys that are the most uh, studious. Mm. They're the guys who have been in the trenches and paid attention and observed and then got a little knowledge from books. Yeah. That's how I, that's how I always did it. It always worked. Exactly. And I was going to say, cause I just started doing strongman ad and my, my best pull, uh, 585 at one, at 180. So I've been nice. like, in my mind, in that's, my mind, man. You, know, you finally got six plates on the bar. That's pretty no, cool. And that's the thing. I've been trying to chase 600, man, without, you know, really just, uh, I'm talking, people don't understand, Ed, right? How hard, how consistent and how hard it is to be, uh, get no, uh, how do I say this? Natural 600 pound deadlift, any weight class. It's not easy. It's very hard. And I just realized a lot of weight. Right. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I take pride in that it's a triple pound body weight pull, but that's my best. I'm a, I'm a decent deadlifter, but I realized after you just said this is I've been trying to get to 600 for so long. I'll get it. I'm going to get it one day. I promise. Want me to tell but, you how to get it? Please. I'm, I'm all ears. Okay. You did 585 before, right? Yes. I want you to concentrate on trying to get 570 for three reps. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Frankie, you heard the man. Yeah. The, that, the goat has then, spoken. Again, I, I, I pause, Ed, because my problem is I think, you know, and a lot of people say, all right, I'm going to go in each week, and I haven't, I don't do this now because my training is, is completely changed, which was strongman and everything and being more smarter. But before that, maybe a year and a half uh, before I got really uh, uh, sick, two years ago, I would always feel like, Ed, that I'd have to work up to 500, 525 for two, three reps, and that just blow. That was, that was a learning process to myself. How fucking blown I was sitting in the cop car uh, trying to bench, even benching the next day, uh, two days after, I was just blown. And it's like, you can't go in there and lift all that 90% for weeks when you're not even training for a competition. I don't think no, people you understand should, you that. Only, you should only train 90% or above at the max for four weeks. Gotcha. That's a gem, people. Right, listen. So I hope people are really paying attention to that. Yeah, because I think, Ed, I think people in their mind, if they see 60, 70%, you know, let's say 70 to 80%, that's a good working set. I think if they see that, they're like, oh, it's not enough weight. I got to go heavier. And again, people in the gym, uh, we call, I call it Eagle Graham, Instagram. Yep. I got to, you know, I got to put this up. But it's like, dude, oh, yeah. for what? You know what I mean? I don't think people really understand the importance of that 70 no, stick to 75% stick work, to right? you, you, you want to build and get stronger. And, you know, building strength, building muscle, building confidence. Everyone talks about how do you get such a positive mental attitude? When you walk up to the bar, you look like you own it. I said, I already do. I already know in my head <laughs> I'm going to get it based on the training I already did. Right. 
there's always going to be some some amount of apprehension. But I know if I follow certain steps, how I get under the bar, how I walk it up, walk it out and set up, how I brace and get everything tight. Yeah. I know all I have to do is go down and come up. Yeah. And that's a mental addition too, right, Ed? Yeah, that's how you get your positive mental attitude is by doing it the right way and succeeding. You don't get a positive mental attitude by failing all the time. And anything. So that's why you, that, that's another reason why you stick to the routine. Positive reinforcement on yourself all the time. Yeah. See, I what I took from that, that's just life advice. You know, like even if you step away from the bar, if you attack life that way, you, you know, you cannot lose. You know what I mean? It's. Um, no, if, if you took if you took your time with whatever profession or whatever goal you had, and took the time to learn, yeah. and it's way shorter time to learn than it is to keep missing and doing the same stupid crap you did before and never succeeding because you could look back and you'll see those same people in the same position they were 10 years before that Absolutely. because they didn't take the time and do the steps. Yep. They never got better uh, mentally, physically, emotionally. They never got better in any way, shape, or form. And that's all part of it. If, if you can get a little bit better every time, not only will you get stronger physically, but you'll get stronger mentally, mentally. spiritually. Yeah. Everything happens at you know, over a short period of time, you're better than you were before. Yeah. I think, I think the problem is now a lot of people is, you know, the mindset is not, I say 1% better every single day. Right. And if you do that over a long period of time, obviously that's going to lead to success, but people want to, um, you know, achieve greatness, but they don't want to put in the man hours. They don't want to put in the, you know, the, the, the required time it takes to master something. Everybody wants that, you know, get rich quick overnight type of situation. And they don't understand it. it's a grind. You know what I mean? Like you have to put in that work. And, you know, like Frankie was saying, like guys will go in the gym and, you know, like they'll just ego lift. And the one thing that I paid attention to that, what you said, you know, what you said before was like, yeah, I, you know, I did not ego lift. I, if I had a plan, I wrote it out and I stuck to it and you didn't deviate from the plan. It's very hard for someone to, to want to achieve something right. And stay the course. You know how many times people will say, hey, well, you know, I want to buy this house or I want to save up X amount of dollars. And then next thing you know, you see that person and they're buying, you know, some shit that they don't need. That's going to take you off the path to get to where you needed to go. So if you really have conviction in what you say, why can't you stick to the script? So, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm taking notes while you're talking. So it's like, um, you know, when, when, when someone in your position speaks like this, I have to pay attention. I have to take notes. I have to really try to apply this to my life because yet, you know, the recipe that you have is successful. So I'm just taking like little tidbits that you're giving me and I'm just writing it down. You know what I mean? Cause you know, you have 71 world records in powerlifting, bro. Like if this man tells me, uh, pull 60% for X amount, I'm going to do that just because I know that a person with a wealth of knowledge and life experience, right. Is telling me something. So I'm taking heed and, and I'm, I'm going to apply it to, you know, how I live my life. Thanks. Yeah, that, that's that's exactly it. But what what you did is you set yourself up at the beginning to win in the in the end. Yeah, that's all it takes. Is like you had a routine. Your routine may not be sets sets and reps. Your routine could be, I have to read this book to learn how to do this. Yep. That's, that's it. it. Simple as that. I did a talk one time at a uh, medical college. Uh, and I had all these students that, you know, these guys, their IQs are like through the roof. 
and one of them started asking about lifting and uh and about the the time constraints with his studies and how he can't lift the way he wants to i said oh so lifting is more important than being the greatest doctor in the world is it he goes what do you mean i said you're worried about worried more about lifting than becoming a doctor in four years you might be one of the most intelligent doctors to ever graduate this school from where you are right now. And you're going to worry about a set of curls now. <laughs> priorities. You know I mean? Yeah. Priorities. You got to think about that. Yeah. What's the, what's the most important thing you can come back and lift. You can, you, you can stay in shape. You don't always have to have a great set of biceps or abs. You go off for a run. You could do push-ups and lunges right. and all kinds of stuff. It's like, okay, this is the most important thing in my life. It's going to set up my life where I get to make myself happy. I can earn an incredible living. I can take care of the people around me. I can save people's fucking lives and make a difference in the whole world. And you're going to worry about a set of curls and stuff right now when in four, four short years, and that those four years go by really, really fast. I mean, in four years, I mean, that's the time it took you to grow your mustache, right? <laughs> Longer. It's, it's, I'm 27. It's been taking me 20 years, Ed. It's unbelievable. Yeah, pretty much. Same here. But so, so you Shots see what I, fired. So you see what I mean? It's like, what is 85. the most thing? So what is the most important thing? Yeah, priorities. And take care of that first. That's yeah. the number one priority. Yep, then, then you put it in order, and then you can make out your plan for the day, week, month, whatever you want. When? What's important, what's important now, my college football coach used to say that, and someone on the podcast, Huge Fat Loser, said, win, what's important now? And the funny thing, Ed, you said is those curls, that barbell, and I know you'll agree with this, that barbell is never fucking leaving. It don't give a shit where you're studying, where you're there. It's going to be there in four, eight, 12 years. That and test, it's going to weigh the schooling, same. That schooling, yeah. That schooling might not be there in a the blink of an eye, right? It's gone. No, you, you could lose it that fast. There's so, so many people that drop out because their priorities change. They, they don't want to... It's not like, oh, I don't want to, they don't want to go the distance or it gets hard. You know, every fucking thing that you want to be good at and be the best at, you don't necessarily have to be the best in the world, but you could be the best in your world. Yeah. That's very And that's the most yeah. important. That's, if I could fulfill everything I set out to do that was meaningful to me, I'm a success. I already won already. Absolutely. Be the best exactly. version of you, people. The, yep. the goat said like, it. Uh, yeah, the goat did say it. I was going to bring it up. Uh, Ed, you know uh, Brandon Lilly? You, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he was on this podcast, but he actually was one of my coaches for uh, my my first strongman show ever back in uh, December. And he's always talked about, you know, make a plan, stick to it, and hurt some feelings. And that's exactly your model. But talking about uh, following a plan, like, strictly, you know, in the competition, a 300-pound stone, right, for the 180 weight class. And in my head, Ed, I'll, I'm not going to lie, I'll be like, holy fuck, a 300-pound stone? I never even went over 275. I never tried 300. I always wanted to attempt it. To, let me let me just try the 300 before the show, you know? And, you know, I'm like, I can't do it because it's not part of the program. You already gonna... lost. You know why? Yep. Why? Because you attempted it. You tried. There's a de Everybody that, that, that fails at something say, I tried. How many people try to do a diet and fail? All of right. them. They all say, I tried it. Yeah. No, you just do it. You just, you, your, your intent has to be, I'm going to do this, not I'm going to try this. When you say I'm going to try this, there's always a doubt in your head when you start. If you, st if you watch someone lift a little bit of weight, 
you'll see a little apprehension at the beginning. And then if it moves off the floor, all of a sudden, now they're good to go. Well, you already lost it mentally because your intent was just to feel the weight. I'm going to really? try it, yep. not to rip that fucker off the ground. And that, that's exactly mm. what well, First of all, do or do not, there is no try, Yoda. That's the quote that I love. And you there just you go. there. You could be Yoda and Mike Ditka in one. We could try to make a picture of that. That would be pretty crazy. So, uh, I'm sure someone will now. So um, um, what I was saying was I did not attempt that 300-pound stone, right? But in my mind, I kept uh, the urge to. Fucking Brandon had me doing just like 200 to 250-pound stones, right? Uh, sets and reps. Day of the competition, fucking went in, picked up that 300-pound stone, and uh, to 54 inches, I just missed it. And then two weeks later, we tried it again, the 48 inches. But just picking up that 300-pound stone and realizing, holy shit, what would I happen if I... Right. That was it, man. Like for me, having a 300 pound stone in my lap and getting it to 48 inches, Ed was like, and like you said, in my world, it was like, holy shit. I just did something I like, I was worried about during the training cycle that if I did attempt it, I'm not even going to lie. Honest, Frank means honest. I probably would have been a little uh, bitch and said, I can't get this. Do you know what I mean? It would have fucked up my yeah. whole entire training cycle. Sure. See what I took from that whole sure. thing is living, That's a real living with thing. intention, bro. Like that—that that was like that was clutch. Like you know the fact that you said that you know you you keyed in on that too, Ed. You said you tried, right? And and people who fail at things said that they tried this or they tried that. Um, I just wrote that down. Live with intention. Um, I always say that like live with purpose and intention, and the end result will be success. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, they make excuses or they have like, like you said, like the apprehension in their mind. Um, the things that I've said that I can do that I've written, that I've written down or thought of, um, I've, I've achieved and everything that I kind of had like a little bit of a, I don't know, like negative self-talk about, I've always failed at. So that kind of resonated with me when you said that, you know, when, when Frankie was talking and you already picked up on the word, you know, I wanted to try he said, you're, you know, when you said you already failed because you said that you wanted to try. Game's over, yeah. Yeah, the game's over. So people have to re remind themselves that that negative self-talk, like you, like, like if you walk up to the bar, like you own that motherfucker and you should be able to rip that thing off the ground with no problem. The minute you did, you know, you say to yourself, oh, shit might be a little bit too heavy. You've lost that battle. So having that, that mental fortitude and being able to say, like, you should walk into a room and, you know, day of competition and be like, I'm the most prepared motherfucker in here. I'm the baddest dude in here. I should be able go. to. You set yourself up to succeed by yes. what you already did. Exactly. In the gym. Can, can you imagine, like, playing, Jay played football too, and I was playing college football. Can you imagine if it's like fourth and five, and the quarterback is like, all right, guys, I'm going to do this quick out. I'm going to try to hit this out. Can you imagine what the whole huddle would say right before the fourth yeah. and five? If you do think about it like that, you know what I mean, Ed? They're not, they're not very confident then. Nope. Yeah. The whole, the whole squad would be like, what the fuck? What's this quarter? What? What? then why should we even try? You know what I mean? It, it could really, yeah. it, it's crazy. Um, and I want to bring it back into your, in the past a little bit in your labyrinth, kind of what made you pull the trigger on that first show, your first uh, powerlifting competition as in your mind and like your mindset going towards that. The first one I was, ever. 16, I was 16 years old. It was 1980. Oh man. I weighed just a little bit over 150. So I was in the 165 pound class. They didn't even have squat racks that weren't low enough. Oh, wow. <laughs> they had to take the, it, yeah. They had to take the weight off the rack and put it on my back. Shit. And you're making fun of my mustache. <laughs> uh-huh. I didn't even have tubes back then, so don't worry. 
<laughs> so it took me three tries before I got my opener. And I was 485. That was my first attempt. But it took me three wow. tries because it screwed up as the, the rack situation was. And then I bench pressed 295 and pulled 495. Um, was I capable Amazing. of more? Sure. But I didn't know anything at the time. And part of that is good because I didn't know anything. I didn't know what to expect. I just went in there and did it. Yeah. You know, if, 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 if it was somebody else who missed their opener, then missed their second attempt, usually it's like, oh, shit, Shot, I'm done. Yeah. Yep. No, I didn't think anything of it. I, I knew I could get it. It was just a question of making it right with the setup. And by the third time, I, I knew how to do it right. And now that's going to bounce off to this question, Ed. A lot of people are worried about, they want to be a certain weight class, and I'm definitely guilty of it. You know, I'll, I'll stand, I'll, I'll raise my right arm and, and put it and go on the stand. Um, they want to maximize a certain amount of strength out of weight class. But would you agree that the weight class could be a really mental challenge and the only way to get stronger is to lift more weights, get stronger, and get bigger? Like that weight class, unless you're very, very competitive, really shouldn't matter would you agree on that or for especially um, beginning lifters now now that that would have to do on two things what what your value and self-improvement is and do you need to win a trophy you don't need a tro we already talked about that you don't need a trophy to be successful for you some people value that trophy too much mm. um for the weight class thing, I only went up in weight when I had the diet so far down where it became dangerous if I, with a really low body fat to lift really big weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I was decided, okay, I can go up now. I right. grew into my weight classes. Okay. Oh, yeah, a lot of people get fixated. So on it was that. A, yeah, it was just a big. It was just a big process. I went up when I knew that it was too dangerous to go back down. It was. It was like. Time, yeah. like graduation. Gotcha, gotcha. Because you're the lightest person to total over 2,400 pounds, correct? Um, now, how? Yeah, back especially in those days with that limited amount with almost no equipment and stuff. Yeah. So, how much did you weigh when you broke that 2,400 pound uh, total? I was uh, 218 and a half, and that was with a two-hour weigh-in, not a 24-hour weigh-in. Oh wow! So Walking was... it out and all that kind of stuff. So it says here that you and that that. Hold up, Frank. I got to get this in. Um, so you deadlifted nine hundred and one pounds, right? I was just yeah, about to say that, yeah. <sighs> Actually, I called because I considered myself a power lifter and not a specialist in any one lift. Yeah. I wanted a total twenty four hundred, so I actually called for eight ninety eight. Gave me the twenty four oh two or whatever it was. Yeah. And they had to weigh out all the world records afterwards and all the plates, and it came out to nine hundred one. Yeah, that shit is crazy because it says here you uh, squatted uh, 1,019 pounds, people. That's my best squat ever. Jesus. I weighed about 234 or something then. Right. Bench 584. I know yeah. I know grown men that can't even pull that off the ground, and this guy's benching it. All right. And then the deadlift <laughs> was 901 pounds. I mean, yeah. these, are, these are colossal numbers, bro. Colossal. You know, and some of that stuff was before all the – like there was no special squat bar back then. Yeah. There was no special deadlift bar. They were just stiff, short, hard bars. Just, just basics. Now, that Oof. that eight ninety. What was it? Eight ninety eight. 
before the 901? Yeah. Well, it actually weighed out to be 901. Right. No, my my goal was to do the most I could in the contest. I didn't care. It's just wherever the chips are on that day is what I is what I go by. I kind of throw my training out the window when I go in there. It gives me confidence because I know I got the work in. Yeah. But my opener was 837, and it was like, I mean, it blew your hair up. It went up so fast. Yeah. And then the guy who was coaching me at the time, a guy named Doug Furness, who was a, a fantastic powerlifter himself, he uh, he said, this is what we're going to do. This is what you're capable of right now. So we, we, we just calculated what do I need for 2402. I want to make – I want to – it's not like you're making history in your mind. You're At, at the time, it's like I, I just want to do whatever I can. I want to make whatever I'm capable of that day. Yeah, yeah. And, and that went up pretty darn easy. I tried I tried another 27 pounds more, but it was anticlimactic, so I, my brain was shot when I went up there. Got you. Jeez. Yeah, that is oh, – I'm <laughs> just laughing at how crazy that is. It's, it is unbelievable because people really need to understand how – well, what year was that? Was that like uh, early 90s? 91. Yeah. I wasn't even born yet, dude. I was born in 92. Yeah, he was, oh, still, yeah. Yeah, he was still swimming around his daddy's nutsack. <laughs> yeah. And, and you were pulling hella weight. It's crazy. Yeah. The, the, uh, the mindset that I had, but like, let's say two, three weeks out before that comp, did you ever think in your mind, like, 900? Uh, did you ever think of that, man? Or was that just the day of the show? Like, the, the, no, right I, before my, the attempt? My last, my, last de- my, my last heavy deadlift two weeks out, I doubled that in training. Wow! Double, doubled. Oh, you doubled nine hundred. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> so that was that was you. It was game over once you said the the eight ninety eight. You already knew it. Yeah, as, lo- as long as I was recovered and my weight was on, and you know, I I have someone handling me that I can trust. So all my uh, him and another guy named Marty Gallagher, who's a famous writer, um, Doug would coach me and pick all my numbers, and Marty would have all my numbers written out and exactly what time I was going to take. So I was prepared all the time. Preparation is key like, people. Yeah. It's like Beethoven, right? Uh, synchronicity. It's just, everything is smooth and everything is just jamming together. Yeah. Who's, who's in your team? The great, the greatest teams in the history of the world. I mean, you just watched that, the documentary on Michael Jordan. That's right, all that. last yeah. dance. Yeah, and and you see that the team he had behind him that set him up to be able to be the greatest. Yeah. All those players had a key role. Rodman rebounded. He got the ball back to them. Uh, Scotty and, and Michael and, and Paxton flipping off to each other, knowing who's on and, and who's not, and when the, when the pass and like you know you, you always think of Michael uh, or uh, Magic Johnson the way he passed and set people up. You're you're part of a team. You got to have good members on your team, and I had good members on my team that looked out for my best interest. You believed in them too, so it's a whole other process too. You know, having to believe that these guys are keeping you in a a better mindset. You know, yeah. I just said, like on his team, even though powerlifting is is you, he still had a team around him to help him. I would say, right, Ed, help you. Oh, kind of definitely. Get to where you're at. My, my, my team that day, I'm only lifting on a platform. I'm the end result. They're, they're doing the, all the setup work and stuff like that. So I'm actually working for them. When they say do this, okay, 
Gotcha. It's done already. If if you had uh, Thor or Brian Shaw or Martin or somebody or Kaz next to you when you were going to try that three hundred pound stone and got in your ear, what would you do? Right. You do it twice. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. I was going to say, you're doing it for a double, or you're going to do it again and go right back into it. Yep. Because you had confidence in what they said. If they said, I know you could do this, I saw what you did in training, or you told me what you did in training, you could do this. All of a sudden, you'd be like, I can do this. Yeah, absolutely. No problems. So you don't have that little negative thought in your head. It's like if, if, if you're with me in person, and I'm like, Ed, I'm pulling 570 for a single. Like you told me, to, you got to hit it for work up to a triple to get it one day, which would be a huge PR for me. And I, and I start lifting up to 570, and I'm not even locked out yet. And you're like, Frank, double right now. You know, yeah. that's, that's just how it is. That's, and that's the confidence right there coming from the best of the best, Mike Dicta of powerlifting. So I'm uh, – Dan, today is definitely a good I'd rather be called everything. the Michael Jordan of powerlifting than a Mike Dicta of See, Frankie? He is the GOAT, bro. I could agree with, I, I could agree with that one, the MJ. We'll call him the MJ of powerlifting, now you, bro. So now, Ed, now you want a picture of you and merged with Yoda, Mike Sitka, and Michael Jordan? Someone's going to have to figure this I'll out. Be a, I'll, I'll be a tall Yoda that yells a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Yoda, I had the honor and opportunity to actually go to Westside in, uh, in, in January. Um, when you were training, um, were you a big band and uh, change guy and stuff like that? No, or they, were you they, more they weren't even invented most of it back then when I was at, at my best. Was that more of a early '90s, uh, mid '90s? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I knew Louis before he was, you know, Louis Westside. Right. Louis is always always a very very nice guy. <clears throat> Louis would do anything for the guys that trained at his gym, no matter what it was, and he did. There's probably a thousand stories that you haven't heard of him taking care of people that you have of all the other crazy shit. Yeah, no, and I definitely have heard and and see that. An example, if Louis said. If, if you're squatting and Louis says, do another rep right now, like you said, you're going to do another fucking rep. You're not even going to think about it because I confidence you yeah. so high. Yeah, a lot of times you, you either either you can hold yourself back or you can go too hard. It's one or the other. That's why the value of the routine. Louis actually, when he came out with the West Side Principles, and I, I never did those because what I was doing worked. There's worked a lot you, of right? programs that can work. It's you know, how, you're, how you approach the bar, how, how you approach your the, the, the numbers you pick are the most important and then your your technique and the other exercises involved it's it's hard but it's not as hard as you think if you take your time you just got to put in some hours of the day writing shit out and then throwing it out then writing shit out and then throwing it out and then writing shit out and throwing it out again <laughs> until you start getting the right formula for yourself and then you do that training cycle that you you made up and maybe you do it once and you fuck some things up but then you have notes and what you did wrong. Now, after that 10 or 12 weeks, you might have a formula that's closest to what you could possibly do almost the rest of your life that you know works. And I'm glad you said that because you know how many people I know too? They're doing something that worked for them, but they're like, ah, let me go ahead and, and try something else. And then they go to it and it's not even close. And then they get all upset and you know, everything like that. And it's perfect. You said you were doing your own program that worked for you for years, obviously, to be the best of the best. Why would I merge and try something else that's maybe working for other people that's it's working for me? It's like like you just said before, Michael Jordan. He's doing his own thing, 
why would he try to mirror Magic Johnson's uh, game? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, if, if you, you can only be who you are. If, if you're making progress in one of your lifts, like your deadlift, and I come in the gym and I'm the expert and I make you change, actually that makes me an asshole. Because oh. if you see someone that's making progress, let them keep making progress. They may have discovered something for personally for themselves that makes them improve. You should then watch what they do and learn. I'm always a beginner. I think that's what they say about some martial arts guy always said that I'm, I'm always that. a beginner. So every time, you know, I, I, I can get you better, but then I'm, what I, what I want to make you do is I'm not always going to make up a routine for people. I'm going to watch videos and make corrections but I want to lead you so you can learn and be the best you can be. Not, I don't want you to be me because I can't make you into me. Yeah. I can make you in a better version of yourself, but then there's a process where you have to learn. And all of a sudden you start discovering more stuff about yourself. And now you've got a personal individualized routine for yourself that you created based on stuff that I helped you with. It's a gem. That's, that's it right there. That's uh, that is a gem. Um, Ed, I always like to ask this question, especially the top lifters, and people think they can kind of balance it both out. I don't know. I want just want to see your opinion on it with alcohol and training, and kind of how did uh, alcohol in your life, if uh, it was ever an issue for you, or did you ever even pick it up during training cycle, or really your mentality on drinking and especially uh, I was training. A, I was a lightweight, anyways. Um, I would when I was young, I would be more the guy that would buy everyone rounds so I could document it for posterity and the stupid shit that they did afterwards. <laughs> but no, I, I didn't like being out of control. I had to have control over myself at all times. I didn't, I, I just didn't feel good. And you know, if, if you have a few beers or something, it, it can screw you up for a few days. I didn't want that. It's about three days. It can last just for your nervous no, system. I, I almost plan, back. If, I, if, if I want to train the next day and train correctly, and hit the numbers I'm supposed to hit, I can't be compromised in any way, mentally or physically. But look, people say, oh no, you know, you got to give up so much. You got to do that. You know, I didn't give up shit. I training in the gym and making those numbers and making myself feel good about myself and being successful. <laughs> that was more of a gift in, 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 than anything else. That was a, that was a gift from God that I was able to do that and succeed. That's what I wanted to do. That's what made me feel good. All that other shit didn't make me feel good. I mean, I still hung out and had fun and everything else, but I didn't drink and smoke and do stupid shit. Not like that, because that, that, was, that was a gift. That was my reward for just being a good guy and following what I was, my dreams and what I was supposed to do. That, that hard work in the gym was a, was a, was a reward for me. I loved it. I love that, man. That was real. That was, I felt that through the screen, Ed. I felt that, man. Um, and you said it from the start of the, of the podcast. You left, I think you're very blessed and you very really get to know yourself at a young age where you never let your ego take over who you are. No, and, and, and I really I commend you that, for that, man. You know, that, that me being with a little bit of ADD and really introverted actually turned into a blessing more than anything. I, I would agree on that. I definitely would look where you are 
look at, at, at all the people you've helped, man. And you've definitely, and Jay can probably second this too. You've helped me more than uh, you'd ever know today just from listening to you, man. So I appreciate that. Oh, you're, you're very welcome. But when I, when I teach, I learn at the same time. So I get, I get stuff back. If you're so closed, closed minded or, or closed up to other thoughts or to just, I'm really, really, my best part is I, I'm really good at observing and watching and just surveying the room, sitting by myself. Then I start learning the most. So when I help people, I start learning how to help people more in different ways. Yeah. You know, I could, I could talk to you in a certain way and then I have to talk to your buddy in a different way. To be able to get through to them, yeah. If but have, I will get through. Yeah, people have different learning styles too. You know, it's like uh, it, it speaks volumes about the person that you are because you always say like, you, you know, you're always the beginner, and um, you know, it's Bruce Lee used to say stuff like that: be shapeless, be formless, right? You put water in a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water in a bottle, it becomes the bottle. So adapting to your surroundings and and, and adjusting shows shows a lot about who you are. Um, Especially, you know, being in the position that you're in, you know, you, you've set world records, you uh, you have a wealth of knowledge. And for someone to say, hey, I'm always the beginner, I'm always looking to learn and, and be better, um, you know, that's another piece of life advice I think people should take from this interview. Um, you know, you're, you're never too knowledgeable to learn more. Always be open, always be a vessel and, and you know, expand your mind. You know, like, you know, there's there's 10 different ways to do things. You know, your way may not be the best way. It's just one of several ways to accomplish a, a goal. So um, I hope people take that, you know, take what you just said and apply that to, you know, how they attack not only like lifting the bar, but like living their life. Yeah, uh, you don't don't be so reactionary. Take a little bit of a step back. Yeah, that's it. Slow it look, down. Slow it down. And yep. observe. Yep. And you'll find the answer a lot faster than if you're too reactionary. Yep. That's how, uh, you know, you I, hit- I live my life like that. So There you go. And, and you hit it. You said you learning by helping other people and being in recovery and being sober from alcohol. And like one alcoholic to another alcoholic is helping me get sober and helping me learn. One powerlifter learning and helping another powerlifter is helping you, maybe not physically also, but mentally. But not even alcoholic, powerlifter, bodybuilder, anything from a cop to another cop, a fireman to another fireman, you're just helping another person, making you a better person. So I'm really happy you said that, and I hope people can really realize that even just because you think you know everything or this style works for you, you helping someone else in their style might wake you up and be like, wow, I really never even thought I would see that or think about that. I don't I don't know how to be a cop. I don't know how to set up all the sound stuff like, like, like our buddy right here does. I don't know how to change the oil in my damn car. Someone's always going to be better at something than you. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm just a, in, in the gym. Okay, I'm the man in the gym. When I step out of the gym, I'm just freaking Eddie Cohen. Yeah. I'm just no. I'm just a regular dude. I'm. That's it. I like that. No. Oh. Uh, well, Ed. On that note. Um, we're going to wrap up. I'm going to ask you a few questions so our listeners can get you more and know you more. But that was, uh, I love that, man. And the, once you step out of the gym, you're just Eddie Cohen. And that, and I hope people really re- realize that. Especially I'm really good at being me. Once you take off that <laughs> uniform and that, once you take off that uniform and that badge or you take off whatever, you're who you are. I'm Frank. Yeah. Jay is Jay. And like you kind of said, don't take things 
too personal at the end of this podcast. Wrap it up. You do it for you. Yeah. I have have my own goals to make uh, me happy. And that's what it's all about. Right. I can't make anyone else feel good if I'm miserable. Yep. 1,000% with you on that. So, Ed, if you had one food to eat for the rest of your life, every single meal, the same meal, what would you pick? Are, are, are we like throwing health and stuff out of the window? Whatever you want, man. Anything you want. If I could stay healthy, it would be crispy, greasy tacos. <laughs> Can't go Somewhere. wrong with the tacos. You have a special place you go to or you make them? Outside that like some people would like think we're disgusting. And those are the best places. That's always the best place when you get some hole in the wall somewhere and they make the best food. Yeah. It's always like that. Um, after the, after the, my second choice would just be like uh, meat and rice. That's it. Gotcha. I'm fine. Steak, red meat type of deal, right? Yeah. Bison, yeah, there you go. That's, a, that's my favorite, one of my favorite ones. Too. A lot I, of I, I, I follow mostly the, the vertical diet, Stan Efferty stuff. Uh, I just, um, I've been reading that, man. I just watched the whole, and that's a gem out there. That is gold uh, when he's at Thor's gym. He got like yeah. 5 million views on YouTube. He breaks it down. Everyone should watch that. That was one of the most. I've done a, I've done a, Stan and I have done a bunch of workshops and seminars together. So I usually sit back off to the side when he speaks. And I follow, I follow, I I throw out questions that not just to keep it rolling, but questions that I legit want to learn all the time. Again, I'm just a regular guy. I'm going to learn from everybody. Yeah, and I think you, and I think it's a perfect way to say, Ed, that every day you wake up, you can learn something new, and you got to yeah. be open minded. Yeah, that's all you do. Sit back and, and relax, enjoy the world. Yeah, especially these days now, because you never know. Never Blink know. of an eye, man, yeah. your life is different. Oh God, too fast. Uh, favorite movie, Ed, or if you have a few, it would be more comedy related, something like. Uh, Kingpin or something like that that's goofy funny the whole time. Okay. Do you have a that. favorite comedian or anything or favorite actor that you like to watch? No, not really. Any, anybody that's good and it, it's funny, throw it on. Yeah. I mean, the, one of the funniest things I, I, I mean was the Chappelle show. Oh, yeah. It's priceless. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Priceless. And his last, last stand-up thing he did on Netflix was just, you know, pissing in your pants funny. Yep, yep. Yeah, uh, uh, if you had a time, sorry, Jay, go ahead. No, nah, no, nah, go ahead, Frank. You got it. No, nah, say what you're gonna say. Say what you're gonna say about nah, Dave. He, I know he, you're gonna he, uh, he raised some eyebrows with the, with that last stand up. Uh, a lot of people thought it was a little bit controversial, but everybody I know that's a, like a true Chappelle fan, they loved it. So I mean, I loved it. Well, that's because people are so sensitive now. You exactly. can't make fun of this. Exactly. See, this, that's in, in living color. That show was so successful because they made fun of everybody and had a riot. Yep. When I was younger at, at, at Quaz Gym on the South Side, either you were a cop or a felon there. That's pretty much it. <laughs> and we had, there was me, an Italian guy. There was a couple brothers. We, there was an Asian guy and then a couple other guys. And when we went all out, and, and a couple Latin King guys even, yeah. and we'd go out to lunch at like Fuddruckers afterwards, and it would just be everyone saying every racial slur you can imagine. And it was so damn funny. Yeah. It was like, oh, 
if we could have taped one of those, it would have been viral. Yep. Those, those, those times are long gone. People are way too sensitive. Way too yeah, sensitive. It's just, yeah. It's, you know, what, 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 what can they call me? A mick or a, or a potato head or white boy? <laughs> or, or, what the fuck? Right. And it's no big that, deal. You can't take it personal. Right. Once you start taking stuff personal, you're already halfway lost. And we talked about that no, last episode. It's all, it's all funny games amongst good people. That's it. That's really it. Um, time time machine, Ed. If you if I you came to New York, said Ed, look at this man. I got a time machine. Hop in anywhere you go. You hit the button, and you can well, go anywhere. Well, if I came if I came to New York, I'd definitely change that shitty pizza you guys got. Oh, oh wow! <laughs> Chicago guys always to- always always say stuff about New York pizza. I've yeah. always noticed that. Uh, you know, well, we're crazy. not used to the real thin stuff. Yeah, yeah. You guys got that big uh, the, the deep dish, right? The, Thick Either crust. deep dish or yeah, just a little thicker is good for me. Deep dish, it's too much for me. Oh, but okay. No, um, if I, if I, I there's about, I'm sure there's a couple stupid things I've done when I was younger, but for the most part, if I learn from them, you know, you learn how you, who your friends are, if you screw up enough, and then you you learn from your own little mistakes that make you better. It's I don't I wouldn't change that much. If you, it, it, not even in your life, Ed. It could be in the 1800s, 1700s. I'm talking Viking time. You could go anywhere just to live that type of lifestyle if you ever, if you want, if you, oh, if you so, had to. To live a certain lifestyle. Yeah, is, see how life was it, back it, then. It, it, it would be uh, way, way earlier. It would be more Viking related because of the, I like real violence. <laughs> I know, like, I got to look, look, smi- look at him smiling. Now I can see the mustache. Yeah. Son of a bitch. I've got like a sickness that I love it. Yeah. Um, even though I don't want to have to do it, but I, I've trained for that for a lot of years with a lot of counter-violence stuff with knives and all that stuff. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, so my perception is a little different than most. But, uh, yeah, it would be more something like that where everything was simple and clear-cut. Gotcha. I got a, I got a yeah, question. Um, Ed, if you, um, so if you could pick one athlete, like your favorite athlete or your top three athletes – who would these athletes be? Uh, probably like uh, Michael Jordan, and Mike Tyson. Yes, Mike's. What, what do you? Th- I like that. Thinking about the Mike Iron Mike. What do you think of Mike Tyson returning? In quotes that he says. No. Now, now, as far as like beating Tyson Fury or no, that's is, not who happening. Is, is, yeah, you know, it's like. Uh, you don't know unless they got up to each other how good Mike Tyson is right now. Yeah. You see the videos, and I wouldn't stand in front of a punch. I'd be down on the ground crying my eyes out. Yeah. Probably even before I got in the ring, I would be like the guy holding on, not letting anyone fucking push him in. But yeah. uh, um, people just, they, they, need, they need a new hero, and everyone loves the comeback yeah. from being down and out and, you know, um, I'm more impressed by that Mike Tyson is seems to be a nice, calm, easygoing guy now that loves everybody than a killer. Because he he said the reason he didn't want to go back to boxing was because he didn't want to become the killer that he was on the inside when he was younger. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like a warrior with a purpose now. They call him. Um, yeah, I, he... I think you know he made his mark. In my eyes, there's nobody ever that was better than Mike Tyson Amen. when he was at his best. I say that nobody. Way. He would have crushed every single person. Whether it be Ali, God rest his soul, or anybody else, he would have crushed them because he came at him 
so fast and hard that they couldn't defend themselves. And back back to what you were saying earlier, right? I, I think he had a lot of people beat before he even stepped into the ring. His intimidation factor was just so ridiculous. That's what he said, when I looked in their eyes, if I got in the blink or look away, I know they were already done. Yeah, exactly. He was probably one of the most tenacious guys I've ever seen in the ring. And, um, you know, when he was in his prime, everybody was ducking him. I feel like he didn't get his just due because, you know, yeah, he was one of the – he was the youngest, you know, heavyweight champion of the world. But, I mean, dudes were running from him. Like, Evander was running from him. Lennox was running from him. Like, when Tyson was in his prime, nobody wanted any parts of him because they knew that they would probably get their head knocked off their shoulders. But Michael Michael Spinks, when he was the champ, he he got hit. With a a low hook to the body, yep. And he went down, and he looked up, and you could see fear in his eyes. Yep. Where he was like, "Nope, I'm not getting I'm not back doing up." It. Yeah. Tyson, Tyson was my childhood, so it was like Tyson and MJ, like those those two mics yeah. right there were forever in my book. Um, I just, <laughs> you know, like the, those two dudes were the epitome of of like what you know what success was. You know what I'm saying? Like Tyson, if you yeah. watched him in the ring, and you know. Customata would call out numbers and just pop, pop, pop. He would just, he was a machine. People don't yeah. understand that the head movement, you know, the, 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 the way he would turn his body in certain, but like he was punching people. Like, not to, like, people say, like, he w- he had cruel intentions. They were beyond cruel. If he was hitting you, he was trying yeah. to rupture something inside of you. He wasn't trying to land a punch, he was trying to hurt you. And people don't understand no. that. Like, I, I think a lot of guys now, they fight and it's like more like, yeah, I'm gonna get a point here and back off. No, Tyson was trying to, like, bruise your liver or, or or like you know rupture a pancreas or something he wasn't he wasn't here to to, to give you love taps and i i think like sports when you know in the in the late 80s early 90s is what i remember it was just completely different from what we have now so i just wanted your insight on yeah that. it was uh it was it was what they call in a lot of martial arts stuff and self-defense is violence of action I want to end this as soon as, as possible, possible in the easiest way possible. Yep. Boom, 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 done. It's over. Yep. yep. Damn, you just hit the, the longer something goes, the more shit can go wrong. Yep. 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 So, I was about to say that. So let me end this expeditiously. Just... Pow. <laughs> One shot. That's it. That, 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 and Ed, you said that right there. That's the same thing with police, you man. The longer you take someone to get in cuffs or kind of. Uh, Lily Dally and, and you know think it's a joke or whatever you don't know what the hell can happen. No, so I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you said that, man. Um, but the, but look look at the look at the work Tyson put in to get him to be the greatest when he walked into the ring that no one saw. Look at the work you do, not just when you're in the academy, but what it took you to be more knowledgeable and more aware of your surroundings as a cop in New York. People yeah. don't see that. People stuff. don't see that stuff. Yeah, you're right. right. And then they just see the videos of, uh, you know, pigs, pieces of shit, all this stuff. But they don't, it's like, I, we always say, just give these people one week, uh, 90, like three days in a row, especially in a heavy house or in a bad type, bad part of Chicago or bad part of New York City, and really see what goes on. Not just that one video for one minute. You know what I mean, Ed? And it's the same thing with training. Not just yeah. see that one uh, Instagram video you put for 60 seconds. Yeah. The day in, the days out, the eating, the sleeping. What are you thinking? What are you you writing down who are you talking to how are you making yourself better all that stuff adds up it's and not be just- and be extremely grateful i have a friend of mine who's a big defense attorney in cook county which is where i, I live in cook county which is actually the the worst county you could be in. it's like the murder capital of the world and 
I was down there at Cook County, uh, the course one time with him. And we were out to, out to lunch, and, and we started talking about the neighborhood that we were in. It's more of a Hispanic neighborhood, not always the greatest. And, and I said something to him. He goes, oh, no, wait a second, Eddie. And he was a public defender down there for 20 years anyways. And he goes, if you lived in this neighborhood or one of the other neighborhoods, you would be doing the exact same shit and get the same exact trouble as anyone else because that's your norm. That's what you're surrounded by. You don't know anything else. Yeah. And that, that, that really made me, made me think. It's like I appreciate what I got, where I came from, and I don't squander any moment. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And people re- need to realize if they're in a, if you're especially as a young cop somewhere, and you go into the South Bronx, if you go into Brooklyn at seven five to seven three, or where you're at, you need to remember that these people that grew up, this is what they know. You don't know how they were grown up, how they're raised by family. You don't know anything about them. So, especially as a cop, if you start judging people on the streets of their actions, well, you shouldn't. You have a job to do, and you don't even know that side of the world. I grew up in Rocking County, New York, which is a very wealthy neighborhood. You know, it's not. Uh, county. It's not nothing to compare it to the city. And I, I'm very blessed that I was able to learn from guys with experience on and, and show me the right way. And you can't even just judge someone from that because if they lived where I lived in Rockland County, they would probably not been, you know, committing the crimes or doing what they had to do to yeah. survive. Of course not. Life yeah. in the yeah. trenches is different. It's a real world. Environment <laughs> is key to it like is. thriving and growing. And if you're placed in a position where like, you know, it's dog eat dog. I mean, that tends to change the outcome of how you would live your life. Um, you know, some people that live in these neighborhoods are good law abiding citizens. And it's just happens to be, there's a, you know, there's bad batches in every, in, there's a, there's a bad apple in every batch. Right. So, you know, it, yep. every neighborhood is going to have that where there's impoverished people uh, or, you know, people, you know, disenfranchised people, you're going to have crime. And that's just, that's just part of the yeah, breaks. It's, it's a societal but, norm. But to them, it's not crime. It's, it's just them what living. I had to do. To yeah. survive. It's just them survive. making it yep. day to day, you know, and, you know, like I said, environment is key to, to how people react to things and how they choose to survive. So, um, I think I'll, I always say, you know, you, you treat everybody like a human being, you start there and then you build from there. If they want to take it to a certain level, then you could take it there. But I know if I usually come in very calm and, uh, you know, Hey, how's it going? Good afternoon. I, I like, to, I like to speak to people how I would like people to speak to me. So, you know, I, I, I come as a human being and I don't talk down to anybody because I understand these situations that these people live in. I have family members that live in these neighborhoods. So I always try to approach every single situation as if I'm talking to somebody that I know personally that, you know, is near and dear to my heart. That's and then perfect. sometimes it doesn't end. Sometimes it doesn't end. Right. But, you know, we can't. I can just walk away. Exactly. Exactly. So tra- just yeah. I have to just try to be as level headed as possible. So. Nah. Jay's a great example of that. It's it's like if Ed, you get into a fight in the street, you don't want to be the cop that gets over. You're screaming and yelling, and I walk up and like, hey asshole, stand over there. I'm not talking to you. It's like, what's going on, man? You know, what, my, my, right? What's your what's your yeah. name? Try to always try to get your first name, Ed. All right, Ed. I, I see you're going through a hard time. Just give me one second, please. Like I'm just trying. We just got here, trying to figure it out. You know, try to see if that yeah. works and take that step. And like you said, like Jay said, we got to do what we got to do. Want to survive and come home. And protect the other cops and protect civilians. Yeah, this guy, this guy is having a moment that he may never had before. He might have had a, 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 some bad shit happen to him lately that it just put made him mentally compromised, and you got to get through to him. Yep. Right. So, 
I'm glad that this conversation turned into something like this. Um, last question, Ed. You have yeah. one lift in the gym to do, one main lift and one accessory lift to do every day for the rest of your life for working out. What would you do? Squat and bent over rows. Ooh, okay. I like it. I know now, tell the listeners why bent over rows. Uh, it, it made my back big and thick as shit. Myself and a guy named Brian Schoenfeld, who was a strong man in the old days, he was good at pressing stuff. And we would actually do a training cycle just like a deadlift cycle, but with bent over rows. And we'd have a bent over row contest by the end of the training cycle. That's awesome. I think we, we got up to like 578 for a double. Oh, my God. That's it. I'm working on my bent over rows, Frankie. There you yeah, go. I know what I'm doing right hey, after this. I, I never met a, a weak man with a strong back. Noted. Big back, big Noted. bench. Have you ever where done you uh, you, Where do you put the bar when you squat? Where well, do I personally put it? On your back. Oh, yeah. What do you lay bar. down that, that, that makes your whole body stabilize when you bench? Your back. On your back. Shit. What do you deadlift with that has to be strong as shit? Your back. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Back. Yep. Makes sense. There you go. I'm adding it in, big Frankie. Back, big everything. Big back, big everything. Yep. Strong everything. Hey, man. The MJ of powerlifting, Eddie. Eddie the goat Yoda Cohen said it. So, <laughs> Ed, uh, I, actually, one more question. Did you ever add in any strongman type of lifts or do any type of. No, I, I mean, obviously, I was good at grip stuff. My, I, I've got huge hands. I could still do a three finger palm on a basket. God damn! Oh sweet! Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm like not even five foot six. Jesus. But uh, yeah. Yeah. See. Nope. <laughs> um. No, I never did. You know, I I realized that powerlifting was my sport, and actually, Terry Todd, who used to run, uh, he just passed away a year or so ago. Um, he used to run the Arnold Strongman. Now his wife, Jan Todd, was a powerlifter. She runs the Arnold Strongman stuff. And he was he actually invited me if, beforehand if I wanted to get involved in the Arnold Strongman and do one of the, the earliest Arnold Strongman contests. And I go, what? Are you crazy? I'm like a, I'm like a Lilliputian compared to those guys. I'm like a hobbit. You know, I walked back there. I stood next to Brian Shaw. And Phil Fister at the time, who won the strongest man contest. And I just kind of looked up like that. I'm like, there's yeah. no way. Yeah. What are you kidding me? I knew my place. <laughs> I knew my role. I knew who you were. Know your role, right? Yeah. Who says that? The Rock? Know the your rock. role. Coach. Know yeah. your role. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, Ed, uh, all jokes aside, man, I really appreciate you coming on and really funny podcast and able to joke around and uh honestly man be a mentor to uh, young guys like me and and like jay and to a lot of us man and uh i'm really going to take this moment and this video uh for the rest of my life man and to really learn by it and uh, uh you know really what you guys you guys made it so easy because you're just regular dudes and that makes it really easy to talk to and appreciate uh that, appreciate believe you, me i enjoyed this just as much as you guys do thank you thank you thank thanks man and i'm going to take hey, you up well, on that well, man yeah, we can New do York. It do any of these things at any time. Oh, no awesome. Problem. Thank you, man. Ed, I'm going to take you up on that New York pizza thing because I want to try to change your mind. Um, but yeah, we'll be in contact because the gym I just opened, obviously, with Corona. But it would be amazing one day. Uh, and I know a lot of the cops and firemen would love it. Um, 
to come on in and maybe do a talk or something that we could talk about that in the future. You know, man, that would be uh, something else. Sure. You know, a friend of mine, he's a big defense attorney out there named Rick Collins. He's big in powerlifting bodybuilding. He's like the world's foremost authority on nutrition or supplement and steroid law in like the whole world. Okay. And uh, I think he's the, uh, he's the president of the Nassau County Board or the Bar Association. Oh, in wow. Long Island. Okay, yeah. Long Island, yes, yeah. Long Island. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, so yeah, when, whenever I'm going to come out there, I'll let you guys know. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, man. And again, like, like you said, this was just a normal conversation, man. Three guys just bullshitting. Like, you know, if we were at a bar, and I, I mean, I would be drinking seltzer, but just hanging out and getting to know each other. And that's what, it's, that's what life is we, really all about. We all bring something into this conversation based on our experience. Yep. So we all learn and we all help each other. Yeah, you know, I may have been the focal point, but there's a lot of things that you guys brought up that you've done that mimic a lot of the stuff I, I did in a different way. Mm-hmm. So you get through to people in a different way all the time. It's like how, how you deal with people, how you talk to people. We may do it in different ways, but we're going to get through them one way or another. Absolutely. So Amen. you guys are awesome. Thank you, man. And that's the bottom that. line because Eddie Cohen said so. <laughs> yeah, no. I'll take all right, that. Ed. All right, Ed. You have a great day, man. We appreciate it. And uh, be safe. All right, man? Take care, guys. Thank you, Ed. Have a good one, brother. You guys be safe. Ciao. Will do. I know. <laughs>